It's always a joy to be here. Uh, what a privilege. I want to thank Pastor Skip for the invitation. I want to thank Bob Church for his hospitality. I always feel so welcomed when I come to Albuquerque. And uh, again, it's just a blessing being here. I'm really looking forward to sharing this message that I'm about to share with you uh, this evening. And uh, But first of all, I want to share a story with you. And, uh, you know, God is Johnny on the spot, if I could describe him that way. He's never Johnny come lately. He always ministers to us in a very personal way. Isn't that true? I mean, right where we live. In so, such a personal, personal way. Helps us to get through whatever we are going through at that particular time. And he uses his word to do exactly that. I want to share this story with you. Uh, about a week and a half ago, I was out in California. I was with your pastor. And uh, a fellow who had attended the Festival of Life that we hosted a couple of months ago with Mike McIntosh from Horizon Christian Fellowship in San Diego, California, about 1,500 people, most of them Calvary Chapel people, had come uh, to New York from across the United States to minister on the streets in various uh, events and festivals and things that we were sponsoring. And, uh, and every day we would have a, a devotional to begin our day before we hit the streets. And so uh, different people were asked to bring different messages, you know, to sort of like encourage people, to, you know, to do what God had brought them to New York to do. And so Mike McIntosh asked me to share a message on one of those days in the morning as a part of the devotional. And I shared on the subject of successful personal evangelism. And uh, I used that text of scripture from the book of Acts. You're probably all familiar with it. Uh, it has to do with uh, Philip, who uh, was driven by the Spirit out into the wilderness where he uh, met up with the uh, Ethiopian eunuch who was sitting in a chariot. And he had the scriptures open to the prophet Isaiah. And uh, the Lord had just directed Philip to go and, and uh, first of all, ask the question, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch responded, how can I? Because I have no one to instruct me. And then, of course, he began to minister Jesus Christ. And uh, the Ethiopian uh, that day had given his life to Christ. And you remember how that immediately following his conversion, Philip baptized him and then he was caught up by the Spirit. And Philip was found in, a, in another place altogether. And then the Bible tells us that the Ethiopian went his way praising the Lord and rejoicing. Well, I had just shared that message. Now, I didn't know this. I mean, this is something that this guy had just shared with me a week and a half ago when I was out in California. And he said, you know, Mike, uh, we were part of the festival in New York, and, and I remember you bringing the message that particular day uh, for the devotional, and, and uh, you shared on successful uh, evangelism, and you shared that story about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And I want you to know that immediately after that meeting, we went out, and we got on the subway system in Manhattan. And we were traveling from one place to another. And uh, the car door of the train had opened up and we entered in. And there was this lady who was sitting down in one of the cars and she had a Bible open. And in fact, what was interesting about it was uh, throughout the week we were leaving Bibles on trains and, you know, free Bibles and people were just picking them up. And I, obviously this is exactly what had happened with this woman. She probably had never opened the Bible before. But anyway, she's sitting there in that particular car. She's traveling from downtown to uptown. And one of the guys who were part of the Festival of Life walks through. He just heard this message. And he walks up to this woman who has this Bible open. And he says to her, Madam, do you understand what you're reading? 
And she responds, how can I, for I have no one to instruct me. (laughs) And he begins to minister Jesus Christ. And so he leads this woman to Christ right there on the subway train. And on this, isn't that amazing? And then she finally gets off at the stop where they were at. And so he baptizes her in the Hudson River. And then he's caught up in the Spirit. And we find them in Jersey. But, no, of course he didn't caught up by the Spirit. But it's actually a true story. The point is, is that God is so relevant. And God ministers to us right where we live and speaks to each personal need that we have. Isn't that true? Has that been your experience as well? Well, listen, I, I, I wouldn't even be here, believe me, this evening if I didn't believe that God has given me a message to share with you. You know, one of my favorite uh, texts of Scripture is, is found in the book of Hebrews. I believe Paul is the writer of that book. And he encourages us, actually challenges us. And, and this should be true of every time that we go to the Word, when we allow God to speak to us. He says, today, if you will hear my voice, God's voice, he said, harden not your heart. And so would you just right now prepare your hearts to receive from him? I believe that God wants to speak to people. And uh, we don't want to play at being at being a church. You know, we want God's Holy Spirit to minister to each one of us in a very personal way. And to transform us and to change us and to maybe just move a little bit closer to Jesus Christ. Isn't that the reason why we're here this evening? Remember, he's Johnny on the spot. And he wants to minister to each one of you in a very personal way. It may be to just encourage you. It may be to challenge you. For some, it may be flat out rebuke you. But whatever it is, it's going to be good. So won't you just open up your hearts right now and just make yourself available to God's Holy Spirit so He can do the work that He wants to do. Why don't you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans. In fact, the last time that I was here, I shared out of the book of Romans. About a year ago, I guess. We've been in this book of the Bible now for about two and a half years. On Sunday mornings over at Harvest in New York City. This e- excuse me, this evening's message, I picked up a cold <coughs> traveling the last couple of weeks, so please excuse me. But this evening's message is entitled, Understanding the Times. Understanding the Times in Which We Live. And our text that we want to treat this evening is... Recorded for us in the book of Romans in chapter 13 and verse 11. So why don't we go ahead and read that and then we'll open up in a word of prayer. Romans chapter 13 in verse 11. And do this. And in context you have to look at the preceding verses of scripture where we're being instructed by Paul the Apostle. He's writing to this church at Rome on the way that Christians should behave. So that what, that's what this phrase pertains to. And do this. Do all of the preceding exhortations that are recorded in these uh, few couple of chapters leading up to our text this evening. And do this. Do these things. Behave like a Christian. Knowing the times. That now it is high time to awake out of our sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for what you're doing here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Lord, we thank you for your love and and the marvelous ways that uh, you've poured it out upon us. Lord, I I, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for Skip and the staff here. And and Lord, just 
Bless this community of believers. And Lord, use this message to that end. To encourage those who need to be encouraged. Lord, to bring healing into the lives of those who need to be healed. Lord, to challenge those who need to be challenged. Lord, to deal with sin in the lives of those whose sin needs to be treated and done away with. And Lord, for those who need to make decisions for Christ this evening. Lord, just do a work. And now, God, I pray that during the remainder of our time together, there wouldn't be anything that would stand in the way of our receiving from you, our bodies being weary. Lord, thinking about responsibilities, obligations, burdens. Lord, just help us to sit at your feet now and learn of you. And God, we just want to acknowledge the great teacher who is the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray that we would work together in concert with him, just making ourselves available to him to do whatever he needs to do in our lives. God, again, thank you for this opportunity. Bless each one. For we ask this of you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So once again, this evening's message is entitled, Understanding the Times. And our text this evening brings us face-to-face with some of the most serious of questions, which are, do we understand the times in which we live? And if not, why not? If we do, what are we doing about it? You know, it's real important that we sense times of danger, times of trouble, And when we sense those times of trouble and danger, we make certain adjustments. We're a little bit more cautious. We're a little bit more careful. Like, for example, if you happen to be out in New York City, out and about, uh, during a certain time of the evening, you just want to make sure, uh, you know, that you're protected. And you just want to make sure that you don't go into certain places that you shouldn't be in at certain times of the day. And we've all been in those kinds of situations before. We made the wrong turn or, you know, our situation forces us into those kinds of positions. And immediately we go into this protection mode. So it's real important that we discern the times, the situations uh, that affect us today. The times in which we live. So really this message is all about spiritual discernment. Being awake spiritually, and then, of course, using our time wisely. Now, first of all, let me say that this text of Scripture, Romans chapter 13, in verse 11, is often used to discuss the subject of eschatology, and that is the study of end times. You know, it kind of gives us a sense of where we are in the prophetical scheme of things. How close are we to the rapture of the church? How close are we to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then we look at different things that are going on in the world today and we try to gauge you know, where we are uh, in the scheme of things, speculating about how close it is for Christ to come back for His church. And yes, it can be, that is our text of Scripture this evening, related to that event. But notice, go back to verse 11 for a moment. Your King James translates this text, and this knowing the time. But you know, I think a more accurate translation, and by the way, this translation is found in your NIV Bibles. How many of you are reading out of the NIV this evening? Okay, notice in your NIV, which I honestly believe, if you look at the original manuscripts, in the original Greek language, I think it's more accurate in context. It reads, and knowing And this knowing the present time. 
That word present is added in the NIV, and it's not to be found in your King James translation, which indicates that the time Paul is concerned about is not some future time. He's not thinking about the rapture of the church. He's not thinking about the second coming, but he's thinking about the now, the present time in which we live. You see, he's concerned that we understand the times in which we live. That we use it wisely. Knowing that opportunities slip away if not used. And those opportunities, if not used, are gone forever. Okay, with that said, what about this present time? What kind of times do we live in? Well, let's take a look at several passages of Scripture in the Bible that I think describe the times in which we live very clearly. The first of which is found in the book of Galatians. So why don't you go ahead and turn there with me in chapter 1, in verse 4. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4. So I'm going to give you a couple of different references, and we're going to talk about the times in which we live that are, as they are described for us in the Bible. The first of which is in Galatians chapter 1, in verse 4. And the subject that's being treated here also by Paul the Apostle, he's speaking of Christ's sacrifice. I love that beautiful chorus that you just sang. Uh, Just what a wonderful worship community you guys have as well. And, uh, you know, how that a lamb could provide our salvation. And that's what Paul is thinking about in this text of Scripture in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4. Let's go ahead and read it. Jesus, in context, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So obviously, in this verse, Paul is thinking of this world's time as a whole. All the time prior to the return of Jesus Christ. And notice the way that he describes it. In all, he says, it's an evil time that we need to be rescued from. Do you see that? That's the way he described the times in which the the people in Galatia lived. But, of course, what could be said of them is also uh, true of us today. The times in which we live are extremely evil times. (coughs) Excuse me, now let me ask you a question. Do we really believe this? Do we honestly believe that we live in a present evil age? Or do we think that this age of ours is rather a nice age to live in? Something to be sought after and enjoyed as much as possible. Listen, if that's your attitude towards the age in which we live, you're never going to make any progress in wisdom, holiness, and you walk in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not going to happen unless we begin by realizing that this world in which we live is hostile to God. Is hostile, excuse me, to Christianity. Offer up a quick prayer for me that I get through this message. Three of them tomorrow morning. So pray for me before you go to bed this evening. Is hostile to God. Hostile to Christianity. <coughs> and is opposed to any desires for godliness. 
You know what's extremely interesting to me? Lately, we've been hearing a lot in the media, particularly, about religious tolerance, right? All of a sudden, you know, religious tolerance has become a real issue. But you know, religious tolerance, at least the way that they define it, has absolutely nothing to do with Christianity. It's certainly not directed towards Christians. The world in which we live, and again, we're trying to define how evil it is, either subtly or aggressively, Christians are pictured as buffoons and attacked on the basis of being out of touch and out of date. Now, let me ask you this question. Should we be surprised by any of this? No, because Jesus warned us about this in the Scriptures. For example, as a cross-reference, just make note of this somewhere. You can check it out for yourself sometime during the week. But Jesus, speaking of the evil world in which, during the times when he walked upon the earth, his disciples lived in, in John's Gospel in chapter 15, in verses 18 and 19, he said, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated, it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You know, later on, think about this. When Jesus was not only praying for His disciples to His Father, He was, he was also looking down through the history of the church, even up until the present time, and He prayed this prayer that's recorded for us in John's Gospel in chapter 17, in verse 15. And He said, I do not pray that you should take them <coughs> out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. That was Christ's prayer. Now what this means is that all cultures decline to the degree that they reject Christ. And the more radical the rejection, the more rapid the disintegration. And that's exactly why our Western culture in which we live is rapidly declining. Gang, listen to me. The times in which we live are evil. You know, another text of Scripture that I'd like to draw your attention to that describes the world in which we live presently is found in 2 Corinthians in chapter 6 and verse 2. Could you please turn with me there? In 2 Corinthians in chapter 6 and verse 2. How am I doing, okay? Is this annoying? Okay, thank you. I appreciate that, believe me. 2 Corinthians in chapter 6 and verse 2. It says, For he says, In an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Okay. Although the age in which we live is an evil one, it is nevertheless the age in which God has accomplished our salvation. You know, this reminds me of Romans chapter 6 and verse 1 where sin abounds. How much more shall grace abound? Isn't that true? We live in an evil age, but yet God has still accomplished our salvation. You know, this reminds me of the conversation that Jesus had with the religious leaders of His day about their inability to discern the times correctly. Isn't it amazing? The Savior who they were looking for 
They never realized who he was. Isn't that amazing? They were all about the Savior, the Savior who was to come. <laughs> and then when finally Jesus appears upon the scene, they didn't even recognize him. In Matthew's Gospel, let me read it for you. In chapter 16, in verses 1 through 4, Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came, testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. They're always looking for signs. They're always looking for miracles. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. In the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. Again, he's talking about the appearance of the Savior. Exactly who he was. He goes on and he says, A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And then he left them and departed. You know, it is clear from the way he has spoken of Jonah, not only in this text of Scripture, but if you go back four chapters in the same Gospel of Matthew, earlier he was referring to his own death and resurrection. Because he talks about, as Jonah was in the whale of the great fish, or, I'm sorry, in the belly of the great fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So, of course, he's teaching on the subject of his death and his resurrection on the third day. So, if we are to understand the present time, we must understand that this is also a time that is marked out by the cross of Jesus Christ, whom God the Father has sent to be the Savior. You know, when, back in that book of Galatians, again, just make a cross-reference somewhere in your Bible. But in Galatians chapter 4 and verses 4 and 5, it says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were <coughs> under the law, excuse me, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Listen, our time is a time for salvation. And that's another thing that marks the age in which we live. A third passage of Scripture, so the first of which is it's an evil time, but it's also a time that's marked out for man's salvation. The third thing that I want to pass along to you this evening from another text of Scripture, and let me set this up for you. This is in Luke's Gospel in chapter 19. Why don't you just go ahead and turn there with me. But let me set this up for you. In Luke 19, this took place about a week before our Lord's crucifixion. Uh, He's approaching the city of Jerusalem. And his heart is just broken. In Luke's Gospel in chapter 19, Beginning in verse 41, Luke 19, beginning in verse 41. Now as he drew near, that is, as he drew near the city of Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. You know, God wanted to bless them. God wanted to reveal himself to them. He wanted them to embrace His Son as the Savior. And the only thing that would have followed would have been blessing. God would have preserved them. 
God would have taken them out of the occupation of the Roman Empire at that particular time. But you know, they wouldn't have any of that. They continued to turn their backs upon God. Their heart was hardened. They were a bunch of stiff-necked people. And you know what was going to happen? Judgment because of that. You know, you can't violate God's laws without expecting judgment to fall. And you know, that is something else that clearly marks out the days in which we live. You know, there's an impending judgment hanging over our United States of America. And I, I just pray that it wouldn't, you know, affect those of us who, that are in the church. But nevertheless, it can happen. That is, if we're not right with the Lord. You know, I wonder if the Lord was here this, well, He is here this evening, but looking back upon you, would His heart be broken? You know, would he be crying out and weeping over your condition? You know, you're a Christian in name only, you've taken the name of Christ, but you're so far removed from anything that's even reminiscent of a personal relationship with him. It's just a Sunday kind of an experience, or a Saturday night kind of an experience. And really, you know, your heart's so far removed from the Lord and obeying the Lord and revealing your love for him through obedience. You know what's going to happen? Judgment. If God judged His people Israel, whom He loved, why in the world would any of us believe, even after taking the name of Christ, that He wouldn't judge us if we were disobedient to His Word? Well, anyway, let's read on here. For the days will come, in verse 43, upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side. He's thinking about... Titus, the Roman general who came in and just wasted the city of Jerusalem. There wasn't one stone left upon another. Uh, people were scattered to the four corners of the earth. Verse 44, And level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time. Notice that. You did not know the time of visitation. What Jesus means here is that the people had been given adequate time to repent of their sins and turn to Him and be saved. But unfortunately, you know the story, they refused to do that. And as a result, the time of their opportunity was drawing to an end. You know, unfortunately, gang, this is exactly the condition of most people in the world today. I I pray that this isn't the condition of any of you this evening. I don't suspect that's your condition. I'm not even suggesting that. But now is the time in which we live to get right with the Lord. You know, let's not play around at being Christians any longer. Let's get on fire for the Lord. Time is short. Remember the exhortation of Paul back in Romans chapter 13. Time is short. Now's not the time to just fool around, mess around. It's time to get serious about the Lord. It's time to go on to maturity, to go on to perfection, to run the race to win. Listen, gang, it's time to get right with God. We need to get out of that mindset of one day I'm going to get around to it. You know what? People never get around to it. You know, God is 80% of my life, and this other 20%, you know, I just, I'm, He's going to have to just be satisfied with the 80%. And every time you come to church, the Holy Spirit is ministering and convicting and sometimes reproving, sometimes flat out rebuking you. There are things that you've 
allowed to go on in your life too long. You thought, well, one day I'm going to get serious about this relationship that I have. And one day I'm going to yield my life completely to Christ. I'm going to get rid of that vice and this worldly desire. I'm going to get rid of those things. I'm going to throw them out of my home. And I'm going to get real serious about the Lord. Get out of that mentality. Get out of that mindset. Like one day you're going to... First of all, there's no guarantees. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You may not have another opportunity. But nevertheless, time is short. You need to understand that. You need to realize that. You don't have time to look forward to because we don't know. The only thing that you legitimately can look forward to, gang, hear what I'm about to say, is judgment. Remember, if God judged His people, Israel, whom He loved, who He was so committed to, why in the world would we think that we would escape the judgment of God? God has been so patient with us, loving us, dealing with us in mercy and in grace. You know, trying to get into that area of our lives that don't glorify Him. The Spirit has been ministering and ministering. And how many times have we seen ourselves in the gospel mirror and we, we say, yes, I agree, and Lord, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to make the adjustments, I'm going to make the changes in my life. And then, unfortunately, like we are told in the Scriptures, that person you know, goes away from seeing his reflection in the mirror as he really is, and then forgets what he's seen. Oh, God, help us. God, help us. And you know what? Every one of us has areas that need to be dealt with in our lives. Every one of us are sinners whether you're a new Christian or the pastor of the church. The Bible says if we have no sin, the truth is not in us and we deceive ourselves. So we're all sinners. (coughs) God's trying to get our attention. Are we allowing Him to get our attention? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work that He wants to do within our lives? Sanctifying us, regenerating us, forming us into the image of His Son. Hey, listen, you know what? That's Christianity right there. And that's what it's all about. Remember, gang, there's no guarantees. We don't know what tomorrow is going to be. In fact, the Bible tells us the heart that's often reproved without responding to that reproof becomes calloused. We become jaded. Oh, God help us. God help us. That we wouldn't make concessions with our flesh. That we wouldn't make concessions with the the devil. That our Christianity would be our own kind, own brand or kind of Christianity, and it's not a biblical one at all. They refused to do what God had called them to do, that is Israel. And as a result, the time of their opportunity was drawing to an end. Gang, it is time to get right with the Lord. Forget about that mentality. I'll get around to it someday. The only thing that's going to happen someday is judgment. Judgment will come. And if you're not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're not yielding yourself to the ministry and the operation of the Holy Spirit, guess what? We are toast. We are doomed. But here's the good news. This is the day of grace. And judgment has not come yet. Now, are you excited about that? Say praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord, for being merciful. Thank you, Lord, for being merciful. So what do we need to do? We need to turn from our sin. We need to believe on Jesus Christ. Perhaps this is the very moment of God coming to you personally. Maybe that's the reason why I'm here this weekend. You know, maybe God orchestrated this whole thing. You know, a a gruff New Yorker has to come here to get on your case. 
you know, Skip is such a loving pastor, and, you know, someone's got to get in your face. Who better than a New Yorker to do this? You can get angry with me. I'm leaving on a plane tomorrow. You know, I got my tamales in my little bag, and I'm... (coughs) And I'm out of here. I'll give you my email address if you want to email me nasty little notes or something. (laughs) But maybe this is the very reason why I'm here this weekend. Maybe this is the very moment of God coming to you personally. So this time in which we live is also a time to repent and believe. The fourth and the last text of Scripture that we want to examine this evening is found in the first chapter in the book of Acts. So why don't you turn there with me. How am I doing on time? Bob, how am I doing? I like to put Bob on the spot. He's not going to say, you're over, cut it. You know, okay. We'll wind things out here in a minute. In the first chapter in the book of Acts, at the beginning of the founding and the growth of the church, the disciples asked a pretty probing and interesting question. Notice in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. When they had come together, they asked Him, saying, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom to Israel. In other words, are you going to drive the Romans out? It's about time that you establish your dynasty, Lord. (laughs) And notice Christ's reply. He said, this is not what this age is all about. In verses 7 and 8, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in His own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, these are the times we must use to preach the gospel. Folks, we need to do everything that we possibly can do right now, during this present time, to further Christ's kingdom. And the only way that I know to do that is to preach the gospel. These are those times given us to take the good news to the ends of the earth. To proclaim the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the only way of salvation to all people throughout all the world. Now listen, one of the wonderful things about pastor in New York City is I don't have to go to the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth have come to us, you know. I love it. I keep telling my people all the time, the greatest mission field is just walk out the front door here. It's amazing. New York City is real, truly an amazing, amazing experience. And you don't have to go to the ends of the earth. Now, that may not be true here. And Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, most of the people who live in Albuquerque are New Yorkers anyway, right? <laughs> or, well, anyway... <laughs> You know, I heard they advertised all this. Last time I was here, someone was telling me about all of these advertisements that was sent to New York, and they promised you this and that. So everybody left New York because they were frustrated and you know sick of all of the hustle and bustle, and so they all moved to Albuquerque. Is that true? Okay. <laughs> okay. But fortunately, in New York City, the world has come to us, but... I don't think that's true or the case here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. 
But nevertheless, if you want to use your time wisely, whether you're in New Mexico or whether you're in New York, we will be one of those committed Christians to bring the gospel to others, leading others to faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I mean, after all, what else is time for than that? If I, if I put that question to you, how, how many of us would respond to make money, make a name for ourselves, to have a good time? You know what? That's the world. That's how the world would respond, but not the church. Listen, life is from God, and the time you have has been given to you by Him for Him. All time is for Jesus. You know, think about the very history. Think about the beginnings of uh, the creation of mankind. What was that whole thing all about? I mean, if you trace the history of mankind right from the very beginning, we come to realize that it really can be summed up in God calling a people out of this present evil age to believe in and to also live for Him. That's, that was his design right from the very beginning. And so our role, particularly as the church in this present age in which we live, if you're a believer, is to live for Jesus and to be his witness. Remember, you shall be endowed with power from on high and you shall be witnesses of me. And so folks, listen to me. Time is short. If we're going to do this, we better do it now. Go back to Romans chapter 13. Let's read it one last time. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Gang, Jesus is coming soon, and one day we will have to stand before Him as judge. Listen, let me let me close this whole thing out by something that I found in a commentary. You're familiar with the name Jonathan Edwards? Uh, you, the reason why you're probably familiar with Jonathan Edwards, Jonathan Edwards lived in, in the 17th century. And uh, in 1734, you're probably familiar with, uh, probably the, the, the thing that identifies Jonathan Edwards the most was the message that he delivered, sinners in the hand of an angry God. After he delivered that message, people were so convicted. They came under the conviction of God's Holy Spirit. They came, they came out of their pews from the, all the way to the back of the church to the front of the church where Jonathan Edwards had been preaching, crawling on their hands and knees, begging God to forgive them of their sins. <laughs> Amazing. So you're probably familiar with that name, Jonathan Edwards, because of that one sermon that he preached. But he preached a lot of other sermons as well. One of the other sermons that he preached also in 1734 was a message that was entitled The Preciousness of Time and the Importance of Redeeming It. And one section of the sermon had these three points. And I want to close this evening sharing with you, if if that's okay, these three points that are found in the sermon. First of all, Jonathan Edwards says, Consider that you are accountable to God for your time. Time is as much a talent given you by God as your natural attributes or advantages. If you are really convinced that you will have to give God an accounting for what you do with your time, would you not use it otherwise than you do? Would you not resolve never to lose one moment of time, 
but to improve it in the most profitable way you possibly can. If you believe that, all that is left is simply to do it. The second point, consider how much time you have lost already. If you are old or in middle age, you need to pay special attention to this, Jonathan Edward says, making the second point. If you have not been active in Christ's service, you have wasted many precious moments. You know, the fellow that came up and was looking to enlist your help, uh, you know, it's funny, in all of the churches I've ever been in, people just assume that, you know, things are, people are going to respond to the request for the various needs of ministry, kids' ministry, ushering ministry, men's ministry, women, you know, the administrative stuff, you know, just doing the things that need to be done, the mechanics of ministry. And we look around as the church is light, and we just assume everyone is going to, you know, step up to the plate. But you know what? You're the person who needs to step up to the plate. Maybe you've never done that before. I want to encourage you to do that. Every one of you needs to make an investment in this church. Now, I understand that sometimes time won't allow you to do that. There are other ways that you can make an investment. You can pray for the things that are going on you can, through your offerings and your tithes. I mean, that's another way that you, you know, make an investment here. But you know what? If you've been holding back from just making a commitment of your time and getting involved in a ministry, this is what this present age is all about. And that's what God has called us to do. That's what the body of Christ is. Oh man, don't squander the gifts and the talents that God has given you. You know what? The person sitting next to you needs those gifts and talents. Make this a very, and it's already a special place, but make it an even more special place than it already is. But should you not then make every effort to use the remaining time well? Should you not redeem the time you do have, knowing the evil of the age and the value of the gospel? And then the third and final point, and then I'm going to ask our worship team to come on back up. Consider how you may improve the present time without delay. There is nothing you can do about the past, right? You can't regain what's been lost. You can't, I mean, you can't go back and forth. You can't go in a time capsule and go back uh, to regain those opportunities that you did have that are now lost. But you should at least make sure that you do not repeat your former errors. You need to turn from your idleness. You need to turn from your sin or unbelief. And you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and determine to follow Him. You need to witness for Him. Remember that you are to understand the times and use time wisely. Because the time is coming when time shall be no more. Let's pray. Father, we just thank You for the challenge of this message. Father, help us to understand the times in which we live. This is not the time to monkey around or to live carelessly. But Lord, to be the people that You've called us to be. Lord, to get serious about our personal walk and our relationship with You. Lord, to be that preserving influence in this world, to be a light shining in the midst of darkness, to be involved and engaged in the work of the Gospel. Oh Lord, help us to redeem the time in this present age, this evil age in which we live. Father, we thank You. Lord, we look to You. And now, Father, by Your Holy Spirit, I just pray that You move across this room right now. And I pray decisions and commitments and rededications would be made. And while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, first of all, 
I don't know, I don't know anybody that's here with the exception of a couple of members on the staff. But you know, maybe some of you haven't even begun this adventure of knowing God and walking with Him. And you've never invited Christ to come into your life before. You've never invited Him to come and be your Lord and Savior. Well, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. It, what, what an adventure it is. What an experience. Man, He takes those colorless things about our lives and He colors them. There's nothing more exciting than knowing God, walking with Him and serving Him. It's spectacular, if I can use that word. And we want to give you that opportunity to do exactly that this evening. So every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If that's your desire, wherever you're sitting, remember, today is your day of salvation. Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your heart. Won't you make that decision for Christ this morning? Well, every head is uh, this evening. Well, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If that's your desire, wherever you're sitting, won't you lift up your hand?